and uh, it's called Partners in Harvest. And there's 11,000 churches worldwide, and 10,000 of them are under Heidi and Rollin. <laughs> Literally. Uh, uh, that's approximately how many churches they oversee in Africa. And um, uh, it's really about the passion that, uh, you know, of... That God, it's really God's passion. It's Jesus' passion expressed through Ellen and Heidi that has, has borne such fruit in their lives. So I encourage you to come. We're going to do a couple of things before I minister. One is to honor the graduates. And so if you've graduated in any sense of the word from high school, from college, from kindergarten, stand up. Yay, give them a hand. All right, got a couple of them here. Or just... Let's just pray and bless them. Father, we thank you for all of the graduates. Lord, we just pray that you would bless their lives, God, as they make this transition into a new season. Lord, that you would just cause their, uh, you know, your word says the steps of a good person are ordered by the Lord. So we just just thank you for ordering their steps and, and for the steps that are to come and that they would uh, continue to walk in the destiny you've called for them. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Other thing we want to do is that it's Memorial Day weekend, and tomorrow's Memorial Day, and it's not just a day to have a barbecue, although that's a good thing to do. It's actually a day that remembers those who have served our nation, and especially those who have served with their lives by laying down their lives. And um, a little tidbit of history in Charleston, South Carolina, where our Somerville church is. Uh, is where Memorial Day started, and it was started by former slaves that gathered together to remember uh, their friends and relatives who died, uh, uh, black soldiers who died fighting in the Civil War. And, um, and there was a mass grave in Charleston that they dug up all the bodies and gave them all proper burial. And uh, then had a parade of over 10,000 people in Charleston. So it's a great historical. You can actually go to the park where that happened uh, in Charleston the next time you go down there. <clears throat> um, but we want to uh, just pray for the families of those who have lost loved ones and, and thank God for those who have served in every capacity. So would you join with me? Father, again, we come to you in Jesus' name. We thank you that we live in a country where we can celebrate freedom, uh, that we can worship you in freedom. And Lord, we thank you for all of those who have served in, in whatever capacity that uh, have helped maintain that freedom over the over the centuries now. Uh, Lord, we especially thank you for the price that uh, so many have given by sacrificing their lives. Lord, we thank you uh, and pray that uh, the family members of those who, have, who are still alive that have sacrificed, uh, had loved ones uh, die or wounded in service, Lord, we pray blessing. We pray that during this time and every day that they would find you a very present help in time of need and that uh, your grace would be sufficient for them. Lord, we thank you so much. We, we, we do not uh, 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 take the freedom that we have lightly, but recognize it has come at great cost. And so thank you, Father, for every man and woman that has served over the years. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, we are continuing in our series on our fire values throughout the year and talking about intimacy with God, which is the I um, of the fire, F-I-R-E. The fire values are not our doctrinal statement. They're just the values that we emphasize, our core values. And so what we actually happens is, is that uh, the, these four 
characteristics kind of influence how we teach our doctrines and how we uh, do ministry as a church and as a network. And so, uh, the question, uh, and what we're talking about this month, is intimacy with God. And, and I just thought, you know, that's, a, that's kind of a big statement. Intimacy with God. I don't know about you, but what does that mean? What does intimacy with God mean? It's difficult enough for me to have intimacy with, with my wife. And although women are different than men, we're mostly the same. We're of the same species. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're human, and so many things are similar. But when you talk about, you know, our intimacy with a friend is another person. But when you talk about intimacy with God, we're like, well, wait a minute. You know, God is so much different than we are. Yet we're called into intimacy. And uh, Psalm ninety-one. <clears throat> It says this, it says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And again, I challenge you that, especially familiar Psalms, we just, it's very easy to make them just a poetic statement and not realize that God in His Word is talking about the life of a believer. And these are, this is very real stuff. That he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. So for a minute, if you would, I'd like you just to imagine or visualize a secret place. And what, what would a secret place, if you could design your own hiding place, your own secret place, what would it look like? And maybe it helps you close your eyes. <clears throat> I know one image that came up when I was doing research was somebody wrote an article on Secret Place and they, they had a, a, a nice white bench in a flowery garden. Uh, well, you know, that's nice. But your secret place may be the inside of an army tank. <laughs> you know, I would, I would, I would, I think that's cool. <laughs> uh, or possibly a camp deep in the forest. That's definitely where, where I like to be. Surrounded by trees. Uh, smells of, of nature. Uh, possibly a sunset on a beach. The wind coming in off the water. And the seagulls flying. And where is your secret place? What your secret place looks like says a lot about who you are. Uh, tells you what makes you feel safe, what you value, what you like, what, what you like to have. Um, as a boy, as growing up out in the country, I was fortunate. My dad actually built a fort on, on poles. It wasn't a tree fort. And my brothers and I would you know, spend countless hours playing in the fort. And uh, you know, I can go there in my mind immediately. Uh, I can visualize, I can be there in a very real way, even though it's, it's been gone for decades. And in addition to that, we, we built camps in the woods, because I, I grew up in the country, and, different, and we just got into building camps. I remember one time we took a, I think it was a drum of a dryer that no longer worked, and we actually took the 
took the whole thing apart and took the drum out and then dug a hole and, 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 and the, the drum of a dryer became our cave. Well, for the life of me, I can't remember how we possibly fit into it. <laughs> I think we did all this and then realized, oh, it's way too small for anybody to get in. <laughs> Maybe it was a cave for our dog. <laughs> so, <clears throat> just hiding places. It's part of who we are. We need a place to go and hide, uh, both figuratively and uh, literally. And I think that God speaks into that because it's part of just being human. So let's just look at how the Bible here in, in Psalm 91 describes the secret place. It says, he who dwells in the secret place. And the word dwell actually means to remain. It's not like just passing through. It's a place where you settle. You know, where you, you just, you, so this is where I'm going to be. I'm not going anywhere from here. And it can actually be translated Mary. Wow, that's kind of interesting. That you make a lifelong commitment. And so he who marries the secret place. Huh? That kind of brings a whole different definition to the, to the picture. <clears throat> it's, it, it's a place. It is a place where we go. The imagery is a place where we go. A place where we dwell. A place where we remain. It's not just a compartment within us. And I think that's one way that many people misunderstand the secret place is that they think, oh, Jesus is in my heart and so he's like a little part of me that I carry around inside. And in reality, God's like, no, it needs to be, you need to actually go in him. Like all of you in him. And not just a little part of you that pays attention to him. No, it's all of you in him. Um, the idea, <clears throat> one uh, commentator says, is, is of calm repose, of resting. Everyone is sitting. Are you comfortable? Just, are you comfortable? Are you awake? Is there anything we could do to make you more comfortable? First service wanted recliners. I said, well, that's enough. Yeah. I said, that's an upgrade. We're going to offer that as an upgrade. Come on. Come on. Laugh a little bit. Work with me. <laughs> yeah, $100 extra, you know. Tithe plus. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, sitting down, resting, the idea of, of, of being in the place where you're comfortable, where you can relax. And this is what it means that in the secret places where you dwell, it's where you settle, it's where you, where you, uh, um, you remain. It's a place where you're comfortable. Uh, now, I thought of a number of biblical images for the secret place. These just came to mind. I didn't do a thorough study. This is the ones that came to my mind. And the Garden of Eden. You know, God would walk with Adam and Eve in the cool of the, of the day. And so this is a place that he set boundaries. And, and, uh, and we don't know how many years that they were there before the fall. We have no idea uh, where they were just with God and developing relationship, uh, both Adam initially and then Adam and Eve. But then I thought of some other kind of hidden places, secret places. There's Noah and his family in the ark. There's Moses uh, in the other ark, which was the ark of uh, reeds that held the little baby Moses uh, that protected him from being killed by the Egyptian uh, rule and ended up leading um, the princess, the Egyptian princess, to find the baby floating in the Nile. And so 
Moses' life was spared, but also the lineage of, of the inheritance of Abraham and, and, the, and all that came, eventually freedom for the Israelites, because of that little hiding place, a little place of safety. The cleft of the rock where Moses was, was hid when, when Moses said, God, show me your glory. And God said, well, you're going to have to figure out a way to protect you. And so he put him in, in, a, in a crack, a crevice in the, the uh, mountain and then put his hand over him to shield him from the fullness of his glory and allowed Moses to see the afterglow. And so that, that hiding place of being protected but in God's presence Adullam's cave is the place where David and his mighty men hid while Saul was seeking after him to, to kill him. And, and so uh, and David's army grew strong in that place of hiding uh, because of the oppression. It's interesting, all of these, after I, I wrote all these down except for the Garden of Eden, all of them were places that on the outside was very dangerous. Uh, even and then Joseph in the, in the well, and you think, well, you know, that, was that a hiding place? Well, yeah, it was. He was thrown in there. Joseph, or his brothers threw him into the well and then sold him into slavery, and he ended up later in prison. And those are not very nice places, but if you read the story, later he attributes the time that he spent in the well and in the prison as time that prepared him to rule uh, Egypt to rule the most powerful nation on the world and to lead his family uh, and the Israelites into uh, deliverance, into freedom and, this, and, and uh, um, save them from the famine. And so there, it was a place where he was able to deepen his relationship with God in a way that he couldn't have in any other way. The best picture in the Old Testament is the Holy of Holies and the tabernacle and the temple. And for those of you who don't know, uh, the Old Testament is very clear about how they built places of worship. And there was an outer court, and then there was a, the holy place, which was a tent. And then inside the tent was another tent, um, which was the Holy of Holies. And, and inside that was the Ark of the Covenant that had was another Ark, a gold-covered box with a tablets of stone, the law, and various other things. And the high priest would go in just once a year to, to present an offering to the Lord. And in that place, God said He dwelt continually in the Holy of Holies. And so that's a, that's a secret place that you can go into the presence. And I think it's meant to picture um, the secret place that God calls you and I into. All right? You know, Verse goes on and says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Well, a shadow is a place of comfort as well as a place of protection. And so, especially in, in the Bible times and in, in, in the geography of, of where most of the story takes place, shadows are real important in the heat of the day because they're in the desert. Right, and so they would literally, as a, a cloud would uh, guide them by the day, as the Israelites wandered through the wilderness. It was they lived in the shadow of that cloud. It protected them from the heat of the sun, um, and then a fire by night. <clears throat> and so, a shadow is a place of comfort. It's also a place of protection. It's also a place of influence. Um, whose shadow will you live under? All right, and think of it that way. Uh, whose shadow are you living under? 
And some people live under the shadow of their parents. Maybe their mom or their dad was uh, uh, dominant or uh, demanding. And so they're always, even long after their parents are passed away or no longer part of their life, they're always kind of intimidated by expectations or, or an older sibling or a bully at school or whatever it may be. The idea of, of living under someone's shadow is, is that their influence is so powerful in your life that it changes your life. Well, God says, live under my shadow. All right? It's a shadow that brings comfort, that brings protection. All right? And in that shadow, you're not going to be bullied. You're going to be protected. You're going to be defended. All right? He's going to provide for you and He's going to comfort you. And then the next verse says, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. Oh, wait a minute here. This takes it to a whole other level. All right? No longer are we talking about a secret place as like, you know, a garden. It's, it's a person. He is my refuge. The refuge and fortress is the secret place. It's the place you go into where you are safe. Another place is, uh, he's, he's a fortress that I run into. Uh, and so God is the dwelling place. And he who dwells in that place uh, will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. My God, in him I will trust. And so, again, it's, it's, a, it's not a physical place, but a spiritual place. But it's not just a spiritual place. It's actually a relationship yeah. with a person, and the person is God. Um, and, and that's what we're called to enter into. And another psalm, actually, there's many, many references where it talks about the secret place or abiding in God. Psalm 32, it says, uh, the psalmist cries out, You are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. And so, all of us have trouble. How many have trouble in their lives? Everybody has trouble from time to sometimes more than others. We need a place to run to and hide. And God's saying the place is Him. It's in relationship with Him. It's in uh, and that the, and it's a very real thing. You know, just because something is um, figurative doesn't mean it's, it's less real. All right. In fact, we use figurative language uh, to describe real things that are complex. All right. And so, certainly, intimacy with God is a very complex idea, and so we have to use imagery. But it's very, very real. Uh, it's a place that we go spiritually. And some other ideas that are, are similar is like being born again. Remember, Jesus said to uh, uh, Nicodemus, uh, who was who was a scholar. A Jewish rabbi, a scholar, one of the uh, teachers of Israel. Remember the story? How many remember the story that I'm talking about? How many don't remember the story? Hey, chicken. (laughs) Everybody who didn't raise their hand has to stand and do dishes. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Jesus, John chapter 3. Right, talking to Nicodemus, who was a scholar uh, in, in the Hebrews, he would teach in the synagogue in the temple. And Jesus said he came to uh, Nicodemus came to Jesus at night because uh, he wanted he's like wanted to learn more. And Jesus said, "You must be born again." And Nicodemus was like, "What are you talking about? That's ridiculous, really." Nicodemus was like, Jesus, you're not making sense. What am I supposed to do? Crawl back up into my mother's womb? And Jesus looked at him and said, you knucklehead! 
You're supposed to be a teacher and you don't understand this basic stuff? Well, they got in a fight. No, they didn't. See, if you read the book, you'll know. There's all kinds of stuff in there. <laughs> At least watch, watch the TV show. It was, on, it was on the History Channel. All right. So this image, you must be born again. He wasn't talking about literally being born again, but he's talking about something that was very real, something that was very necessary. Now, this common uh, phrase that we use today, you know, you can take the boy out of the country, but you can't take the country out of the boy. You know, so it, that talks about uh, there's a part of you that shapes how you think, how you respond, where you're from. shapes how you talk, how you dress. shapes your desires, your expectations. So much of you is, is determined by where you're from. And, and uh, this dwelling, this remaining, this staying, abiding, living in the secret place is that same type of analogy or, or comparison. I can't literally go back to the forts of my childhood, but I can figuratively, in my mind, I can be there right now. All right? They're, they're only a thought away. And that's what um, God's talking about when He's talking about dwelling in the secret place of the Most High. It's talking about being able to go to that place, um, that relationship. <clears throat> uh, the best picture of the secret place in Scripture in the Old Testament would have been the Holy of Holies. But in the New Testament, Jesus brings it to a whole different level. And in John chapter 15, Jesus says, Abide in Me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in Me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in Me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. And I'm sure Jesus was probably standing in a vineyard or next to a vine uh, when he was saying this so that people could picture it. And I wish I had one. I was trying to figure out how I could get a, 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 a grapevine in here. But uh, I didn't have time. So imagine in your mind, there's a vine and branches. And he said, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you. And this is, you know, this is, an, this is imagery. Where, where does the vine end and the branch begin? You know, there isn't. You know, it's, it's really the, the branch is an extension of the vine. And Jesus is saying, this is what your relationship with me must look like. Alright? In order for you to bear fruit, in order for you to abide. And he says, without me, you can do nothing. <clears throat> it's absolutely essential we have this. Ultimately, all Scripture points to Jesus Christ. And so this idea of a secret place is to be understood in referring, again, in a very real way to our relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, in Colossians, Paul puts the ideas, talking about the same thing, same idea, in this way. He says, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And this is actually my theme verse, because two years ago I died. I tell people I had a fatal heart attack. You know? uh, and the doctors are all amazed that I'm still alive. Um, and thankfully, there's no heart damage. So praise God for His grace and $10,000 a piece stents, that there's three of them. Just the part. You think a car repair is expensive? <laughs> Just the stent was ten grand each. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's amazing, isn't it? <clears throat> but I died, 
And that's, of course, speaking of a spiritual way that I am dead to this life. And my life is hidden with Christ in God. That's a reality. And we get get, uh, distracted by the stuff of this life. We need to understand the reality of what God is speaking about. In in, In the message, it puts it this way. Your old life is dead. Your new life, which is your real life, even though it's invisible to spectators, it's an, it's it's a secret life, uh, is with Christ in God. He is your life. My real life is with Christ. Apart from Christ, I don't have a life. But my life is hidden with Christ in God. It's an intimate place. Um, okay, I want to talk about uh, six ways because we're talking about. Intimacy with God and abiding in the secret place. I want to give you six actual ways that you can develop this secret place, that you can live in, 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 the, in the place in, in, under the shadow. And the first one is what Jesus says in John chapter 9. He says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. And so... Uh, a door is a passageway through a barrier, okay? There's a distinct separation between where you are and where you were. <laughs> and so, Jesus was probably standing by the gate, the door of a pasture, because He said you're going to go in and out and find pasture. So there were probably sheep that were going in and out. But He's like, hey guys, this is what it's like. <laughs> so to illustrate uh, your relationship with, with me, is like, I'm like the door. Alright? And the door... Uh, is a passageway through a barrier. This this is a barrier. I can't get through this, right? Anybody want to try? <clears throat> All right. But Jesus, He says, I'm the door. All right? And so if I open the door, now I'm in a different place. Yeah. Wow. It's dark in here. I see. So when I'm in here, I'm not out there. And when I'm out here, I'm not in there. Alright? Jesus is a door. You either go through Him or you don't. Now, I can stand out here and know everything about that door. I can know all the dimensions. I can talk about the door for hours. Over a whole, I can write books about the door. I can become famous talking about the door. But not be in the door. That's what religion is. Okay? But following Jesus is, I don't know anything, but Jesus' door, I'm going through it. Wow! And you experience Him. I don't know if it's worth an applause, but... (laughs) Alright, so that barrier and living a different life, I'm actually in a different place because I've went through Jesus. Uh, He's the only access into the secret place of a Most High. Jesus said in another place, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Me. And so the important part about that is the door takes you somewhere. To the Father. Right? That dwelling place that we're to abide takes us into relationship that we can't get to out here. And there should be a distinct difference. Alright, so the first first thing, how to get into the secret place is go through the door. 
Go through Jesus. All right. Second thing is, is prayer. Jesus said in Matthew, when you pray, go into your room and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Now we know the secret place is not a physical location, but here Jesus says that having a place to go, a closet where you can shut out distraction, all right, is, very, is a practical way uh, to help you focus on being alone with God, being, developing that nurturing uh, relationship where it's, you're hiding. Now, remember, some of the illustrations I used of the secret place is that you're not necessarily alone. Noah wasn't alone on the boat. David wasn't alone in the cave. All right? Uh, but it's a place where you live with Christ in God. <clears throat> and having a place, sometimes... Um, of a friend who had a chair, that he only sat in that chair in his room when he was either reading the Bible or praying. He would never sit in the chair unless he was reading the Bible or praying. And so just sitting in the chair put him in that place in mentally and spiritually. All right? Or, or a room. Find some way to help you get there and talk to God. There's no substitute for communication in any relationship. Communication is the way to deepen intimacy. And if you're, if you're lacking in intimacy, if you want deeper relationship with anyone, you need to listen. And you need to talk. And it's the same thing with, the, uh, with God. Spend time in two-way interaction with God. Now, the secret place means that it's a place where secrets are kept. So if you're in there, in the Father, hidden with Christ... That means that you're sharing all of your secrets with them. But you're not alone. And what that means in prayer is that you talk to them about everything. And too many people, uh, unfortunately, have the thing that when they pray, that they're like, oh, well, okay, this is how I'm supposed to pray. I'm going to say this, I'm going to say this, I'm going to say this. And I've had, I've had people where it's like, is it okay to say this in prayer? I'm like, man, it's okay to say anything in prayer. In fact, you've got to say everything in prayer. You know, you can be comfortable talking about God with God about everything. You know why? Because the Father dwells in the secret place. That's what Jesus said, didn't He? He meant it. Okay. So that secret place in your life, maybe it's a place where you keep dirty stuff, nasty stuff, stuff that you know is not right. It's a secret. Guess what? Let me tell you a secret. The Father's there. Oh! Yeah, he knows all that. This is like when your kid, if you're a parent and your kid's disobeying, you know it. Long before the kid knows you know it. You know, and the kid's like faking it. And you're figuring out a way to broach the subject. You know, if, if your parent healthy, you want to do it in a way that doesn't bring shame. It's not like you don't, it's not like they're fooling you. You know, most of the time, sometimes they get it. But we never, we never one-up God. He's waiting in the secret place for you to come and talk about that stuff you're ashamed about. So that He can help you overcome it. Overcome the shame and overcome the thing that causes shame. He's right there. He's waiting for you. And He loves you all the way through it. Alright? Isn't that wonderful? And here's another thing. See, He's not just interested in the shameful stuff. He sees all the good stuff. He sees all the stuff that you can't see because you're overcome with the pain. He sees your destiny. He sees what He created you to be. 
He sees all of your beauty. He sees all of your good stuff. He sees all the stuff that you won't let yourself see. Alright? And he says, come on. I took care of all that stuff on the cross. Let me talk about the good stuff. That's what intimacy is. That's what prayer is supposed to be. Sound good? <clears throat> well, to do that, you need to spend time. Amen. So you need to go through the door. You need to pray. You need to spend time. Jesus said to his disciples, he asked them to pray. Well, he was, this was the night he was betrayed. And they, he came back, and they, were, they all were snoozing. He was like, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Come on, guys. Can't you do it? One? And he did this like several times. Every time he'd come back, they were... You know? Of course, he knew what was coming next, and they didn't. All right? But the, the point is, watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And so, like the disciples, we need to overcome our flesh and spend time. And this is what I like to say. Make time, don't take time. How many have extra time in their day? Yeah, nobody. Alright? You know, because there's like a million things that fill every minute. And so you have, to, you have to intentionally make time. I am not going to do this so that I can just do some time with God. Right. You have to spend time to abide in the secret place. Uh, and then you have to learn how to stay there. Because I believe the whole point of developing a relationship and, and knowing how to get into the secret place is so that wherever you go, you're in the secret place. So I, I run to the secret place all the time, even while I'm preaching. I can be up here talking and I can be going, oh God, you know, I can be in the secret place. doesn't matter where I'm at. Um, and so develop that. <clears throat> Speak truth. Uh, Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. And I think Jesus is talking about what you say. That his words are so in you that that's what comes out of your mouth. It's, it's actually, uh, the, it's like the, the being a branch of the vine, that the juices that flow through the vine come into the branches, and that's what produces the fruit. And so it's not just, you know, I'm going to talk about Scripture next, but this is about actually being so influenced by the way Jesus is thanks. Jesus uh, thanks and talks, that that's how you think and talk. Um, and Proverbs says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Those who love it will eat its fruit. And so it's this understanding that words have creative power. And so by your words, you actually shape your life and the lives of those that you uh, have influence over. You can change the atmosphere of a room just by the words that you speak. All right? And God's entrusted that incredible tool, incredible power to you. And Jesus says, speak my words. And that shows that that's how you abide. In, in Him. It's one of the important ways. Okay, the second aspect of Word is, is having God's Word in you. And this I'm talking about the objective Word of God. Uh, the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Uh, or in Psalm 119, Your Word I have hidden in my heart 
that I might not sin against you. Now, all of Psalm 19 is really a celebration of God's graphe, this written scripture. Um, and so the idea of hiding, stashing God's word in you, because the more uh, that you have of God's word in you, the more the Holy Spirit can bring it to mind, the more raw material that's available for you to speak into your life and to know how uh, to respond to whatever is happening in your circumstances. It's storing up the fuel for the, for the secret place. Finally, it's walk-worthy. Uh, John 15, Jesus says this. It's the next verse in the whole talk about that I was reading from earlier. It says, If you keep my commandments, you will abide, you will remain, you will stay in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandment and abide in His love. Or uh, John the Apostle speaking on the same idea, kind of elaborating it. Um, many, many years later, says... John writes, He who says, I know him, speaking of Jesus, and does not keep his commandments, is a liar. In other words, if you think you know him, but you're not living it, you're mistaken. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected or come to maturity in him. By this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him, ought himself also to walk just as he walked. And so, if you want to know if Jesus is abiding in you and you're abiding in Him, then your walk, your behavior, your lifestyle should look like His. That's why Jesus said, follow me. And if you follow Him, you'll end up in the secret place. Does that make sense? Bless the baby. Alright. That's the message that says it the same way. And our, our walk is not just what we do when we're doing Christian stuff. It's, the, it's, the, it's our entire lifestyle. It's what we do. It's, it's the sum total of our thoughts, our intentions, as well as our behaviors. And all of it should be an extension of dwelling, of remaining, of being married to the presence. Um, and I've just summed up these, these six, six ways of how, how to stay in the secret place. Jesus is the door. Prayer, spending time, speaking truth, God's word, and walking worthy. I'm going to ask Anthony to come up and lead us in a, a closing. Would you welcome him? So I snuck into.